1: Welcome back, everybody. Jurassic Views. We're here for a long pot, continuing our series on Black History Month. Prominent players uh, in the game of basketball. We were able to highlight two coaches, two college coaches that we had a lot of love and respect for and who made uh, their imprint on the league still, Mm -hmm. the effects of their... Uh, work, their legacy uh, still playing out in the league today. Uh, But today we're going to shift gears to appropriate timing. Um, There's been a lot of talk around the league of bringing back the national anthem, uh, the American national anthem specifically, to uh, games. Apparently there was a bit of a break there. Um, and we're going to focus on one individual player who back in the 90s, really well before his time, uh, decided to, to take a step back to be critical of the country that he was from uh, and the flag and what it symbolized. We're going to look today at an old Denver Nuggets star, really. Uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf And uh, today we're not going to focus so much on his game Although he had plenty And we're definitely not going to look at what he's doing in the Big Three League But we are going to look at his activism in the league And his conviction to sit down during the National Anthem Zaya Quiena, welcome this morning How goes it, my friend? How are you feeling this morning?
0: I'm feeling well. And, uh, uh, morning listeners. It's a snow day here in Ottawa. So, uh, be careful out in the road. There's <laughs> already accidents I can see from outside my window. So, uh, drive safely, walk safely. Mm-hmm. Some people are, uh, bis- you know, are biking out there. I mean, all respects to you. Um, take care of yourself, take care of others. Um, and, uh, I'm hoping that, our conversation discussion um, uh, this morning about uh, Mahmoud uh, Abdul raouf can also provide us with self care because um, a lot of the times we um, like to you know criticize take jabs at these athletes and not knowing that they're they are so they're complex human beings right uh, having to prioritize so much so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, between us, I, I don't know for you, but he was probably in the '90s the the outlier, the you know considered even a radical in many ways, yeah. um, especially during the David Stern reign of the NBA as commissioner. Yeah,
1: yeah definitely. Uh, it was a time in the league where there was certainly uh you know um a compensation that was starting to reflect the elite abilities uh of these players and and how difficult it was to get them to the NBA. The league was becoming global as well. Um, but there, when you look back, is is a lot to question and, and criticize. And I think the Mahmoud Abdu situation situation uh, definitely is a stain against the league. And I would say specifically uh, with one individual team for sure, but also the commissioner, David Stern. Um, I don't know. I can't remember how old you were, man, when this uh, situation happened. I was 18 um, and it, it was a bit, it was actually just before my 18th birthday and I didn't know what to make of it. I, I was a bit stunned by the whole thing. And so I had to actually turn to, to, you know, some, some hip hop artists to get like uh, some, you know, some objectivity or at least a, like a different perspective. Um, and I saw a lot of uh, rappers at the time um you know, giving respect and, and giving a little bit of support to Mahmoud Abdurroof And that helped kind of change my perspective, probably to some degree of America, uh, but also the league in, in general. Uh, this was 1996, uh-huh. the 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary is coming up, March the 12th. Um, and, you know, with everything that happened in the bubble, and of course, within the NFL with Colin Kaepernick, I think this is a story we can't forget, right? This had impact then, but I think it, it had, uh, it has an impact now. And that's a uh, pretty profound what Mahmoud abdul Rauf did. What were your initial t- takes when, when you were a kid? I mean, you're a bit younger than me. What were your initial thoughts when this first happened? Well, I think I
0: was already familiar with um, you know, mainstream America's relationship with Islam. One, right. Uh, two. Right. That's a yeah, cool That's a it. big part of it. Um, you know, there's a there's a strong um, tradition and history of, of of a Judeo-Christian you know narrative, and so uh, anything to threaten that, you know, in this case, um, not you know, it, it's not secular humanism or atheism, um, but it's it, it's Islam. Right. And uh, and there's a particular caricature of Islam that, you know, still still plays out in, in, in ugly ways um, and not not on the fringes of mainstream media, but uh, or in the media, but in in, main, in the mainstream culture in the U.S., um, as well as notably here in Canada. And and now you have a black Muslim uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Yeah. Um, And who falls in the tradition of many African-Americans who uh, didn't just uh, privately convert, but also chose to change their name. You know, he changed his name from Chris Jackson to Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf um, in the early 90s. And so um, so deviating from what, you know, the basketball world knew him then as Chris Jackson, Uh, when he was, you know, a a stellar high school basketball player uh, in Mississippi and went on to LSU, joining with Shaquille O'Neal, he was just Chris Jackson. And there's a 1989 uh, Sports Illustrated cover with him on the front. You know, he's, he's a pistol, right? And the name that's referred is Chris Jackson. So when, for him, his conversion to Islam was also a rejection of what of Of a particular version of America, and yeah, and so when I read all of this back then, I was like oh this is this is this is normal, you know within like within black parlance, right you know like yeah, sure, I mean, I know notable political figures who've done it, I know um you know uh, whether it be hip hop artists, um but this was different because he also made his statements quite clear. As it related to American politics um the flag and and a, and, a, and a tradition of you know not standing for the national anthem so um to be quite honest you know in general I didn't have these kind of conversations with friends on my basketball team right whether especially if they were white um, and and among amongst us you know maybe of you know player you know of uh, teenagers or uh, preteens of color we knew this was radical so we knew this line that you pass is 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 too radical so and to be quite honest as a minority in in a in a, in a predominant, predominantly white society and a predominantly still judéo-christian society um, we know privately what line you shouldn't cross if you still want to benefit and, and, and have some traction, right. And upward mobility. Mm-hmm. And so, um, right. So th- this is definitely part of, you know, uh, you know, in the recesses of, recesses of my memory and my mind, but it stands as a, do you want to go that far like Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, or do you just want to stand right. in the middle, right. You know, give to charity, you know, be a, you know, play the, Play the respectability politics, violin. Make sure that white folks um, accept you. Um, in, in in you know, um, as it relates to your particular politics. And so, um, and you're a child, right? You don't have history to revert to. You don't have yeah. you know political analysis to 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 back you up. And um, but uh, as you get older, you start understanding the business um and and the issues of market marketability um that uh that uh Abdul Rauf was threatening for an NBA game that was trying to uh, broaden its fan base and its global appeal right so um yeah, yeah. anyway i'll go in a bit further but that's at least uh, some initial thoughts
1: yeah i mean let's just you know give some quick details about the situation uh, itself. So uh, the game, uh, of course, before games at that time, uh, like, you know, is the case in many sports these days, the national anthem is played before the game. And Ralph actually, Mahmoud uh, Abdul-Roof actually doesn't make that big of a deal. All he did was sit on the bench. And, you know, the telecast Mm. itself, no one mentions it. Uh, The coaching staff, no one said anything. Uh, Abdul Roof doesn't even say anything really to his coaches or, uh, you know, to set them up or prepare for it. And actually the game goes by and no one had even said anything, no major media outlets. Um, But he sits uh, because he believed that the flag and the anthem itself um, were uh, symbols and and certainly – you know, promoting uh, the oppression and, and the brutality of uh, Black people uh, specifically. Uh, I'm sure it was a little broader than that as well. Um, he was aware of of other groups being oppressed um, and brutalized, but he was focused uh, on solidarity specifically with Black people as a Black man. And it's a reporter, a, Den- a local Denver reporter catches... Mahmoud sitting on the bench during this time. And, and he just kind of just asks the question. I don't know if it was after the game or, or the next day. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, when that, that, that question gets heard by other uh, journalists, all of a sudden the story has some legs. The league hears about it and they actually fine him uh, and, and I believe suspend him and uh, without pay, thirty-one thousand dollars for uh, the game, and then Mahmoud uh, decides that he's going to negotiate a deal where he can move forward with with some sort of um, uh, you know sign that he's he's not for. Um, you know, giving a salute basically to the flag, r- giving an acknowledgement of respect towards the anthem, but that he's going to pray. And I'll tell you, this is where it shifted uh, for me specifically. And I'm I'm not saying this was positive. This is a, a negative shift. But when, when that happened, when he uh, prayed in the way he did, all of a sudden with my own very narrow evangelical Christian upbringing, which I had adopted at that time uh, it becomes a religious uh, exercise uh, that in my account and I'm sure other Christians, right? Like the evangelicals in the States are very powerful. Uh, You know, Catholics in the States are very powerful. And that conservative religious wing of the States I'm sure picks up on this as well as, as those who are, are nationalists or, or patriots of America, and that certainly uh, clouded a- a what Mahmoud was doing at this time. Um, so those are kind of, you know, the immediate things that happen, and my oh my, it it, it takes off uh, from there. Um, why, why don't you uh, tell us, Zaya, a little bit about what happens after those events after Mahmoud kind of makes that deal with the league and, and the story's already kind of gone viral, uh, even though that wasn't a term that we knew about back then. You know, one thing that um, we have to understand with the
0: NBA and uh, it's what, a third third place behind football and the NFL and MLB uh, in terms of revenue in the nineties. And David Stern has been credited for broadening its, fan base and, uh, increasing the revenue, uh, for the NBA. Um, and particularly during the Jordan era, you know, he, 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 he kind of created this, uh, marketing template for stars and for the NBA to market these, you know, big time players, whether it be a, um, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, yeah. um, and uh, and even earlier Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. So, uh, yeah. so there's something that needs to be said about uniformity in terms of marketability. Even if someone is African American, uh, they're still American. And I think Bryce, you knew very well how even quote unquote <laughs> they labeled them foreigners a foreign player, right? And they were just yeah. coming from Eastern Europe, you know? Um, and um, now we call them, you know, international players. Um, uh, but uh, what what ensued was uh, they tried to build up a particular narrative. Um, many say, well, it's just the media. If you listen to talk radio, they were vicious about, you know, building up um, this anti-American... Uh, narrative that Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf was, was portraying. Someone who was born in Gulfport, Mississippi, that, may I add, um, uh, the second largest city in Mississippi, um, and still very much culturally, economically segregated until this day. Yep. Nevertheless, yep. Um, they also tried to canvas NBA players from the Michael Jordans, the Shaquille O'Neal, his former college teammates uh, David Robinson's Hakim Olajuwon, another fellow open you know very open about his Muslim faith uh, to challenge you know to bring opposition and this is where I think i will I will mention ha- Hakim um you know uh, providing a much more uh, uh, a personal take that deviates from what um, abdul Abdul uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf stated in terms of how he sees his uh, Muslim theology informing his politics, right? He, meaning that he prioritizes the Muslim faith over his his patriotism. And where right. Hakim Alajwan came in and stated, actually, they're synonymous. You, you you know, you have to honor authority and country and flag. Well, this is really problematic now, right? Because that's that's where you know the old adage of divide and conquer. So if you can if yeah. you can show a much less threatening version of Islam in 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 Hakim Alajwan, who later became a or was at that time a, a two-time NBA player and a you know two-time um, champion as well as MVP that's what I meant to say yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and you're also getting some you know some some apolitical voices, which is really what it is they're saying they're saying yeah. much but they're saying nothing at the same time from from your yeah. fellow n b a players um, you can then further marginalize uh Abdul Rauf, which is exactly the strategy uh, i don't think uh the players union had much uh capital uh, to work with, yeah. and they allowed for someone who was, uh, Bryce, as, a, as the point guard or the guard game has dominated, has evolved today, this guy provided us the genesis because he was shooting yeah. six threes a game, averaging 19 points a game. He was lethal from the three-point line. Um, he understood how to shoot the ball off the dribble, um, off the ball, moving without the ball. At what six six one? So for people to now make yeah. it about either his performance on the on the floor or the fact that he was a rubble rouser in the locker room was inconsistent to reality. And um, I don't know how far you want me to go with this. I mean, he had a stint. He was traded. He was later traded to Sacramento, where he played limited yeah, minutes. I mean, what pushed, twelve minutes a game? Pushed
1: out of- Gets pushed out of Denver. Exactly, gets that's a up, whole scenario. Gets pushed out
0: to Denver, goes into the what the bottom of the NBA in Sacramento in the in the nineties. Um, then um, doesn't get and doesn't uh, gets gets waived. Essentially, ends up playing uh, in in Turkey, and yeah. he for actually a decent salary. <laughs> yeah, for a decent salary for a couple of years. He for personal reasons. I, and I and he doesn't go into much detail in in any interviews that I've read but uh he takes uh he takes a break uh from basketball from professional basketball and I'm trying to think the emotional tasking of of it all right and not just from you know NBA executives coaches but your own teammates who suddenly want to uh alienate from you at least publicly i don't know what was being said privately right um, right and then he goes back into the you know ba- the basketball circuit but overseas right and um hops around europe and uh, yeah and then ends his career right um i, I want to actually correct that he actually gets a stint a short stint in vancouver with the vancouver grizzlies at that time in 2001 yeah but that doesn't last long. And no. especially uh, for a team um, that's o- that, that was only in the league for several, for several years and also ending yeah. up leaving several years later um, and doesn't find a way back into the NBA, right? Um, the, o- the only time, uh, at least in recent memory was when Phil Jackson mentions his name in a tweet in comparison to Steph Curry says, well, you know, this is reminiscent right. of a Chris Jackson slash Mahmoud Abdul Rauf That's the only time I least see his name bounces back into the NBA parlance in recent memory. Other than that, we, we pretend he's a ghost. He's, you know, like he's uh, removed from the history books. And so that's quite saddened, especially for a league uh, now inherited by Adam Silver, who, Considers itself uh, progressive, leading in the rhetoric of uh, race, gender uh, inclusivity, um, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. Um, oh my gosh! And 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 having a growing and global appeal to critique mm-hmm. on you know to to offer a critique on human human rights abuses in the world. Um, Mm-hmm. So anyway, we know what, you know, we, we can read between the lines and I think maybe you can, you can add to that a bit more, but that's, that's, that's what ends up to Chris Jackson or, or uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, right. And, mm-hmm. uh, it is, I still think, a tr- you know, an NBA tragedy, you know, it's not just, yeah. it's just that, um, the, uh, the LA Clippers, uh, fiasco that is, right. um, that's right. in, that's in the books. It's, it's also how these matters were also kind of pushed
1: to the side. Oh, definitely. And, you know, this is at a time where uh, a couple months before uh, Craig Hodges gets pushed out of the league Mm -hmm. for uh, being being critical of guys like Michael Jordan, who aren't uh, making enough of an impact in the vulnerable communities where African-Americans are impoverished um, you know this is at a, a at a time when uh, you know the, the league was was celebrating uh Black History Month and their fiftieth anniversary and yet uh, you know and with guys like Bill Russell who is an activist and now was heralding him as, as that uh, and and yet uh, Mahmoud, when he's trying to make statements uh when he's trying to make uh follow his conviction um you know he and and craig hodges alike get get pushed out of the league i remember watching craig hodges in in the three-point um contest wearing an nba uniform because no one in the league wanted to have him on the team this was a an elite three-point shooter i think he might have even won the three-point shooting contest another year or maybe even that year uh, shout out to my man, Jonathan Brooks from Chicago, who pointed that out, a, a diehard Bulls fan. Um, but th- this is, you know, I think a, a, something I wanted to bring up. I know that you wanted to to highlight it too, because the league to date, even under Adam Progressive Silver, has not apologized officially to Mahmoud. Um, Mahmoud is... Continues to mentor uh, young players. Continues to be known has a connection uh, to players in the league. Obviously, being Muslim in the league is more accepted. Uh, there's lots of high profile players who are Muslim. It's not just a one off. Akim Um, and they they take stands too. Um, and so Mahmoud's impact is is still very much happening now uh, as he mentors players um i mean this this guy had threats against his life uh his well-being his house uh, a few years later was burnt to the ground as it was uh, being put up for sale um there's just so much surrounding this story and you know it's not just a missed opportunity as you said it's a tragedy it's a league trage- tragedy and uh you know with a if you look at the numbers that this guy put up, you were talking about this, and we just look at at guys who put up similar numbers now, the numbers that he put up would be much greater in a league like today because of how dominant I think you had mentioned this earlier, how dominant the the league is now for guard play. I mean, man, you were allowed to to handcuff guards back in the day with hand checks and whatnot. You can't breathe on guys who are elite. And and Chris uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf uh, in college and then in the NBA was doing things that Dame Lillard is doing now. And you had said Steph Curry as well. And again, my I have to go back to the fact that if his name was still Chris Jackson, if he still had that southern drawl when he spoke, would we, you know, would the league have dealt with them? Would the media have have done them dirty the the way they did um yeah i i there's an opportunity here from adam silva there's an opportunity from from other players uh who were play who were contemporaries of him uh, michael jordan include that have an opportunity especially michael jordan as an owner um to correct this right to, to make amends for you know oh, and just on a
0: basketball level bryce i'm going to mention that um, there is a decision he made to lose weight. He was around 180, uh, maybe 185. And he decided to lose, you know, maybe 10, 15 pounds in order for him to be quicker on the court. Now, I'm trying yeah. to imagine yeah. in the 90s with the hand checking rules for him to decide to do that. And 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 the result was for him to move without the ball even quicker and off the dribble, yeah. right? So I would, you would assume that one would, you know, at least gain more strength to navigate, you know, the type of defense that was, you know, permeating the nineties. But um, I, I just found that remarkable, and 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 how yeah. headstrong he was um, to 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 do that um, in light of you know the continuous booze he would receive. Uh, when going into his not just his own stadium but also uh that of um, um uh on, on the road uh there is a uh there on on a personal level um uh, I don't know if you knew but he was uh, diagnosed at 17.
1: Yes with Tourette's.
0: and so uh he also And it was
1: a late diagnosis. Yeah it
0: was a late diagnosis um uh, and he made decision, especially when he converted uh, to Islam in the early '90s, to go without medication, with a particular medication that was being prescribed to him. Um, and he was quite vocal mm. and an advocate uh, that uh, one with Tourette shouldn't be shouldn't be stigmatized, right? Uh, because you would actually right. see uh, particular types of um, movements uh, that he would have on the court, and. Um, you know, so I think he, you know, he he he's fundamentally uh been an advocate of of something that uh as a basketball player, especially during that climate, to be apolitical, yeah. to be you know, probably the only, you know, uh stances NBA players would take would be, you know, the kind of Ronald Reagan say no to drugs kind of uh uh kind of infomercials, yeah. right? Stay in school. Yeah, kind of stay in school, you know, reading is fundamental. You know, nothing that moves yep. the needle, right? And, um, yep. uh, and I think if we want to be true to our history and if we really want to move forward as a league and as members of the basketball community, as fans, you know, we need to reconcile with our past, right? And, Absolutely. Uh, um, and yeah, um, to, to, to quote an infamous uh, poet, you know, the, the past isn't really the past. Right until it's actually mm-hmm. been dealt with. Um, I know that's paraphrasing, so have patience with me. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think I think there's, um, uh, you know, there's opportunity. Uh, I know there's been opportunities lost, but I think there's uh, an opportunity for rede- for redemption and reclaiming of uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf's um, legacy. Uh, however small people think it is, I still think it's meaningful, especially uh in the player empowerment era uh, and the the renewed sense of uh, the activist athlete that we 're seeing uh, not just in the n b a but in the Colin Kaepernicks of the world, which I think is mm-hmm. significant in the Serena Williams of the world um, which I think is not just moving the needle it's shoot it's 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 rearranging the furniture um and yeah um so i'm excited to to see some of the opportunities that that he may have i know he, uh, his public appearances in in the big three has been uh has been important uh for the canon of basketball but i would like to see that the nba um uh, uh makes uh, a form of truth and reconciliation with uh, Mahmoud Jordan, yeah. and more specifically the
1: Denver the Denver Nuggets
0: franchise.
1: I think they have, uh, yeah, a lot more to do there um, to to correct their decisions. And and before we uh, wrap this up, I also want to say, and and maybe this will take us on too big a tangent, so I'll, I'll try to be brief. But I think it's time that uh We call out some some of the, the the you know the journalists the industry of of journalism on this too um you know the league can always go a certain way the league can always make certain decisions and i you see this from the big networks uh they they will they will follow money too, and in this particular situation they didn 't do journalism they did not have integrity as journalists to, to do, um, you know, Mahmoud the way they did. And uh, you know, a guy like Muhammad Ali uh, because he was his own brand as a boxer, um, he was stepped out of the league. He was given all kinds of, of room because it still made the money for him to be this controversial or this kind of playful villain type character. And yet, when Mahmoud questions, uh, you know, America, um, wh- what did what did the journalists do? And again, in a still in a world that's male dominated and and very much white dominated, not as much as it was in the 90s, um, I think there's a lot of work still that needs to be done. But I think journalists back from the 90s, I think they need to come out. Uh, with statements networks and newspapers need to come out with statements as well i don't know if you want to talk about that at all or just leave it at that or
0: no uh, they, they are the um, the the curators of of public rhetoric right and and, and narrative and so um, their hands aren't tied they're involved in this and yep. and even the journalists of today right a lot of the freelancers, if there's yep. a story that you want to run with. Uh, don't run with uh, the sexy stories, right? You know of what LeBron is doing uh, in a, in Akron, Ohio. That's noted. We understand that it's fantastic, it's great. But um, if you really want to um, contribute to the growing and diverse and complex um, history of basketball, you know, go where this, you know, go to the, you know, the stories where it gets less traction. Right, have that courage to to go and tell the stories of those who are on the margins. And this is someone who grew up in Mississippi. If anyone knows in Mississippi, people are waving the Confederate flag as proudly, and to sometimes oppose the American flag. It deliberately. It's not a matter of just maintaining Southern heritage. Um, sometimes it is to um, critique and oppose uh, a a um, than a Northerner, you know, uh, America, right? And and, um, and I think for if you want to dig a bit deeper to uh, uh, you know Mahmoud Abdul Rauf's critique, you have to understand that he's critiquing not just this kind of generic America, like you know, um, but hey, what what the history and um, yeah. and it's um, it's government, its policies. Has done to yep. him personally, his family, his ancestry, uh, which um, mm-hmm. you know, it, could the players' union coached him better to use the right type of rhetoric? Sure, Bryce, mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. that could have been right. the case where he gets a sit down with a, a notable journalist to do an interview where the right types of messages are put out. But that's not what they did, right? You know, we know we know um, publicists and public affairs consultants can. Can really curate mm-hmm. the type of message that want that you want to communicate, but that 's not what they did to him right they right. they uh, forced him to say something that and and they um and they jumped on it and so um as fans, I think we owe him some respects and 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 yeah. and, and thanks yeah. for him to take the particular types of stances where in a world now we're having you know uh, Muslim journalists on television who are able to not um, compartmentalize their faith, but live it out aloud. So, um, and for those who are non-Muslim, we're also exposed to a a plurality, a diversity uh, in the game, which we appreciate and it adds value to. So um, sometimes I know um, there are sacrificial lambs, right? Uh, in the fight, in the struggle. So, um, I think even as fans, who sometimes we think we don't, we don't, we can't do much. I still think there is something that we can do, right? And um, and, and that's the decision to each each one of us to to, to take up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I I remember a, a professor of mine uh, giving a lecture to other professors. And talking about students that are in the classroom who are on the fringes, and um, saying to the professors um, with passion in her heart as she as she lectured, saying, uh, "You need to watch, and you need to be close to the anarchists of your classroom, of your lecturing halls, because they are the ones that that follow conviction, not." just regurgitating information. And I think still in this league, as much as sometimes we question guys like James Harden or Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. um, we, we've got to listen to these guys. We got to be close enough to hear all the nuance that they're saying. However, uh, Yes, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. And sometimes there's some bullshit. Sometimes they're just <laughs> making nonsense. Uh, but sometimes there's some really good stuff there. And and I think Mahmoud uh, was saying some really good stuff. He wasn't even near as, as far as Kyrie goes sometimes in, in his flat earth and whatnot. I know he's denounced that. But but yeah, I think as, as fans, I think as fans who love certain teams or love the league, we got to do the same. We we have to be willing to listen to the other voices. And especially if if you're not Black, in a league that's what 80% black. And uh, certainly if you're not from uh, the same places that other people have, uh, sorry, are from or have the views that some people have. Well, we're going to leave it there. Call it a wrap for this pod. Uh, It's been great, man. I really appreciate being able to talk about Mahmoud, even refer to Craig Hodges. Uh, Thank you again for all the, Uh, background reading and um, into the players, the media. Uh, Really good pod, really important pod. I hope this story continues to be told and it elevates uh, to a place that doesn't just give the story justice, but gives uh, the voices of of the marginalized um, power uh, that the league can truly be progressive. Um, We'll see. Time will tell. Uh, For today, tonight, we, uh, the Raptors, play the Bucks. Uh, we'll be on Twitter, and uh, tomorrow we'll have another post-game react. For those listening, and to you, Zaya, peace.